With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In the last year, we have seen rugby union and leagues celebrate their pinnacle events, and there's been enhanced coverage of both the women's and men's game, but there's also been some sobering reminders of the brutality of those contact sports and others. Uh, lawsuits from former players who argue they have not been protected from the damaging effects of head knocks are becoming more common, while the brains of former players are analysed uh, after death. The link between CTE and repetitive head trauma and concussion is being highlighted. Now, across the ditch, this has led the Royal College of Pathologists of Australasia to urge the federal government to adopt recommendations of a Senate inquiry into sports-related brain trauma. This includes restricting children under 14 to low or no contact versions of sport and for head trauma and sporting history to be included in routine medical records taken by GPs, neurologists, psychiatrists and other specialists. To discuss... Uh, while he prepares to lead the Australasian Sports Medicine Conference in Wellington this morning, where there will be a large focus on this subject, is Dr. Mark Fulcher from Access Sports Medicine. He's one of the leading sports docs in New Zealand and beyond, and it's great to talk to him again. Doc, welcome to the show. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, good morning. Where did this study start in Australia? Am, am I sensing that the Senate and federal government has pushed to be involved and understand the subject more? Uh, yeah, that's right. So the, the Australian government have, are in the process of wrapping up a Senate inquiry into uh, or evaluating the evidence around the, the burden of head injury or head trauma uh, in sport um, and looking at what individual sporting codes are doing to try and mitigate that burden. So I think this, um, this report, and it's, it's, it's an opinion piece based on evidence, um, has come out, I guess, in response to that. And just break it down for us, why this is important, that they have officially outlined a position on the causal link between repeated, repeated rather, head trauma and CTE. Yeah, so, so look, I guess, first of all, I, I find it difficult to talk about this subject without um, feeling somewhat of a, of a brain injury denier. So um, I spend most of my professional life trying to treat brain injury, um, thinking about ways to minimise the burden of, of uh, brain injury. I have three young boys who are all very active, who all participate in sport. So this is a topic that is very important to me. Um, the next thing to say is that there is emerging evidence to say that playing sport, particularly at a professional level, um, over a long period of time, does increase the risk of developing neurodegenerative diseases. Um, but I think it's also important to say that it's still the minority of participants that develop those conditions. Um, and I think it's I personally think it's an overreaction to extrapolate the data from professional sport um, into kids and recreational sport. 
Um, and I, I think it, there's a there's a real need for balance. There's a real need for education, particularly of the, the sporting population and participants. Um, and I personally think that banning contact sport across the board in young people um, would miss some of the many health and social societal benefits that you get from playing sport. So, in a lot of ways, you're sort of hinting at there um, that this is a, a young sort of field as far as the science and research, and you would encourage more. So, how much do we know in this field? Are we just starting to scratch at the top of what might be understood, and in the next decade? decade or so we might know a lot more once we analyze the brain to a greater detail yeah, and depth. Yeah. So look, I, I would I'd say that that probably is accurate. So there's an increasing body of evidence that look at people who have played professional sport over their lifetime. Um, and if you group those, uh, those people together and compare them to the general population, you can see that there is an increased rate. Um, in some studies say it's between 3 and 5%. Uh, three and five times increased rate of developing a neurodegenerative disease over your lifetime. Um, but that sort of goes from a, a risk of about 1.5% up to a risk of about 5% over your lifetime. Those studies also show that you're generally more healthy, so you're less likely to develop things like cardiovascular disease and other non-communicable diseases. Um, so there are unquestionably some health benefits from playing sport, even at a professional level. Um, but there are definitely some potential risks, um, and brain injury is one, but other types of injury are also another another risk. The other thing is a lot of this position statement, they talk about brain banks and people who have donated their brains um, to science, and the people that tend to do that are people who tend to think that they may have a new de- neurodegenerative condition. So there's a real, we call it a selection bias. So if you think that you have a condition um, it is quite likely that you do have that condition, and what we what we don't have as good a population or sample of are people with normal brains who have played sport and uh, like a control group to compare with. Right. So in a lot of ways, we're sort of sitting at the base of the escalator, uh, and we're we're, we're going to go up and, and find out more. So can you see a world in which evidence becomes fairly irrefutable very quickly uh, around the link to CTE, and, and not, lawmakers might have to step in? I think there's two things there. It'll be a very long time before definitive yeah. research has been conducted. Um, but what I'm not, I, I do not think that we need to wait for that. I think what we know um, reasonably clearly is that for some people, participating in sports like rugby or boxing or league probably over their lifetime does lead to some sort of dementia or neurodegenerative disease. So. The steps that I I can see already are around trying to reduce the incidence of head impacts and head injuries. Um, And I think what we really need is some good education for participants um, so that people can make their own informed decisions about whether they want to play the sport under the current rules, um, whether their kids should play the sport under the current rules. Um, And I read with interest um, some comments from Paul Green's wife, uh, who really was advocating not for banning league, um, despite what she has lived through, um, but really making more informed decisions for families, um, supporting research and understanding, um, and letting people make their own decisions. Yeah, so informed decisions, whether it comes to how do you sort of uh, legislate for under-14 sporters, we've touched on briefly, or or meet, even more so maybe even at the, at the pointy end, at the professional end, where, you, where I, get, I guess we're going down a path of talking about tackle height again. Yeah, so look, I think there's, what we're talking about here, are not, we're not talking about concussion, we're talking about repeated impact, so tackling, hitting, yeah. these sorts of things. 
and the burden of those. So what we're talking about is evidence that suggests that probably that leads to longer-term consequences. What we also know for sure is that having a confirmed mild traumatic brain injury or concussion today does increase your risk of, um, of future problems. Um, so that is, that is an established and proven fact. Um, and if we look at where most of our head injuries are happening in our pediatric population, it's not playing football, it's falling off a bike, it's, it's free play, it's falling off horses, um, and we're not looking at banning these sports as well. So I think there's a real need for some balance. I think there's also a need to acknowledge that most of these sporting codes that, that we're talking about banning have introduced strategies to try and address or right. mitigate some of the risks. And I would, I would far rather um, support them to do uh, more research and more work in, in that risk mitigation rather than looking at a blanket ban. And if you look across, there's, there's some real examples of wins. So in rugby league, banning the shoulder charge was unpopular at the time, but it has had a tangible reduction in head impacts and concussion. If you think about football, um, leading with the elbow for a header um, has shown a massive reduction in the incidence of head impacts and concussion. So there are some real success stories, and I think it's easy to forget about those um, if you're focusing in on you know, a small sample of the science. What role does our government or uh, play in this? I assume we'll get a government eventually, so it's probably too hard to ask about the, the, the next lot. But, but over the last few years, have you seen sort of interest from government officials in, 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 as far as in this space? Well, certainly in Australia, there's this, the Senate review that's underway. Um, I think ACC is a, a government entity, has been a real leader in this space and um, convene a sports collaboration group where they actively get sports together to talk about um, things relating to head injuries. And one of the, the pieces of work that's under play at the moment is to try and have a, a national standard for return to play after a head injury. And so some of the things that the pathologists have endorsed around um, having an increased awareness among doctors around what to do if you see someone with a head injury, um, taking a history about um, past injuries, these sorts of things, are all very sensible. Um, but I guess it's about does the does the government want to legislate or do they want to try and encourage sports to to govern their own sport and uh, address their own risks? Um, and the health and safety legislation is, is one avenue that they could be going down. Um, I think it's also fair to say that sports were probably a bit late to the party and that they uh, could have been uh, making changes before they did. But I think... Concussion, the burden of head injury, that is front and centre in all major sporting codes. Yep. And um, there are strategies at the recreational, the, the sort of sub-elite and elite level um, to try and reduce the, both reduce the risk of injury, but then, I guess more importantly, also educate the participant um, and when head injuries are diagnosed and occur, that there's a, a clear and structured process around safely returning people to, to sporting activity. Yeah, and on the flip side, and for the sake of balance here, um, there are positive impacts, right, to our broader community from sport. I'm looking at this Australian Institute of Health and Welfare study released, what, just uh, 5th of September in the, the opening line. Yeah. Sport and exercise save the Australian health system more than it costs in injuries. So it is about striking a balance. It's hugely important, sport. Uh, I mean, that is my personal view, and I suspect uh, the view of most of your listeners. Um, I think it is important to make sure that we are making informed decisions and making sensible decisions. So the paper that you talked about um, looked at the burden of injury in sport and then the positive societal impact of sport based on 
reduction of things like diabetes, cardiovascular disease. And the conclusion is purely a financial one, which says um, sport costs, uh, sport uh, saves the government money, essentially was what, what that study showed. But then if you look at the... One of the things when I see players that get injured, um, the, the negative impact on their social life, um, whether it's a head injury or a knee injury or an ankle injury, is quite significant. You look at their social media profile, it's often a picture of them playing sport, um, and then they really struggle when they're removed from that, that social network. So I think, you know, in, intrinsically we know how important sport is to the nation. Um, and I, I think that um, there would be a real loss if we banned rugby, football, rugby league, um, you know, horse riding, cycling. I, I just, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a feasible strategy. Um, one of my interests is around injury prevention. And doctors and scientists and, and physiotherapists are, very good at coming up with strategies that we can show in a lab setting reduce the risk of injury, but they're completely useless if uh, the participant in the sporting code won't adopt that change. So that's why things like the, the shoulder charge have been so successful. It hasn't really changed the fabric of the sport, um, but it has reduced the danger and some of the more risky elements in the sport. So I think that's the challenge. Rather than a blanket ban of sport, we should be working to say, well, what, what is acceptable to the participants? Let the participants make a decision. Let the participants and the, those that govern the sport make changes. And I guess if the government would feel that they weren't doing that, then I think that's the time for them to intervene. Parents have a burden of responsibility and can be very nervy when looking at their own kids. And I speak from experience being a young parent here. And I'm sure some people listening... Um, you know, sort of humming and hurrying whether or not, or should I enrol youngsters into a sport that has a potential as slight as it might be for any uh, head uh, knocks, repeated sort of uh, incidents. You know, what advice could you give them? You know, so so I guess the first thing that I sort of alluded to at the beginning is my I'm in the same situation, and I am largely comfortable with my kids playing any sport that is currently available. That the one that I, I struggle with the most are some of the combat sports where the, the whole purpose of the sport is to inflict a head injury um, and so I think if you're trying to reduce harm you might uh, have a, a thought about that um, however again if your kids are passionate about a variety of different combat sports then um, the, the key message I have is um, if your kids are injured um, I'm much more interested in them doing the right thing when an injury occurs so for me, that's where the, the biggest risk is. That's where the most established long-term right. risk is. Um, and I'm constantly amazed by how um, a lot of parents will prioritise their kids' sporting success over their health. So they'll be concussed and you know, it's more important to play for the first 15 because there's a, a big game coming that weekend or it's more important that they go back to um, whatever sport because there's an important competition coming up. Um, I think the most important thing for parents to do is that if their kid has been concussed or they suspect that they've been concussed, to remove them from the field of play, to have a, an adequate a medical assessment um, and a considered return to activity. Um, but ultimately, it's up to parents to make their own decision. And what I would say to the parents is that, yes, if your son or daughter um, plays at a professional level, I think you can assume that there's a small but tangible increased risk of neurodegenerative conditions over their lifetime. Um, and it's up to them to make their own decision. Um, and if that's something that, that they're concerned about, um, then perhaps choose a, a different sport. 
Uh, as an aside, New Zealand rugby has just been lauded by World Rugby for their mouthguard study, which I think measured 17,000 head acceleration events and 328 male players from under-12s to top-grade community rugby. Now, those mouthguards are now going to be compulsory for all pro players here, I understand, but can you see this data being used as a preventative tool to actually change the harm for, for players in a, in a broader sort of sense? Um. I don't, uh, possibly. <laughs> there are so many new technologies. And so um, I guess the first step is with, with these technologies to record data. So um, what does the average force of a tackle look like? How many uh, forces do players experience during a, the course of a game? Um, and trying to establish what that means is, is really important. So does that mean if you have 10 head impacts that you should come off? Um, it's very hard to know what the threshold or what or how to right. interpret that data um, but certainly that is a promising way of measuring the burden of head impacts over a period of time um, but then at, at what point do you intervene and what does it mean it's it's going to be quite a while before we understand what that data means um, yeah. so a great and, and sort of information can... gathering tool right now um, and, yeah. and we don't want to have any sort of preconceived ideas uh, about what we gather well, and you know what we'll learn from it. So I find some of these things incredibly distracting because I think it takes away from the conversation we could be having about what we actually know now. So informing people about risks, informing people about um, benefits, informing people um, about the, the need to take concussion seriously because there's still that conversation still needs more work. Um, there are lots of people yeah. that don't report concussions. There are lots of people that continue to play. There are lots of coaches that prioritise success over um, over health. Um, and so focusing in on data about mouthguards, which which is important and, and has some promise, um, I think means that certainly in, I think the media, the things that get reported are the things like let's ban sport, mouthguard data is exciting, saliva enzyme measuring is cool, those things are, are very catchy and you know, they'll be in the media for a day or two and then they'll go. Um, what I'm much more passionate about is big right. messages, powering people, um, interpreting the data that we have and making some sense out of it. Um, because I think we, we could do an incredibly good job with that and um, share what we actually know to be true right now. Um, but often when I talk to coaches at community level, they're, they're like, should we get a fancy mouth gap? And I'd say, well, look, no, just just put that money into doing something else that we, we know is validated or proven. Doc, always a treat speaking to you. I always learn so much. Um, I know you've got a big day ahead. Thanks so much. What's on the agenda at the uh, Australasian Sports Medicine Conference? Well, it's the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful, but if we're talking about the pathologist, that's who we are. Um, and we're, we're in Wellington. <laughs> we're in sports medicine, New Zealand, and so uh, we're here for three days. We have a range of, among other things, concussion experts sharing their knowledge. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just great to be with our peers, and it's great to be back in Wellington on a good day. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for your time, Doctor. Really do appreciate it. Go well, sir. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. You're amazing. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for fitting us in because I know it's a busy day. Go well. No problems. All right, see ya. Bye.